Welcome to the Gap Church Podcast, where we're filling the gap through freedom and the truth. Please enjoy this week's message. His presence beautiful. I want to sit in His presence for the rest of my life. And look, even though that people love me, everyone is sometimes, I want to go, just spend time. But I'm here, because there's work to be done. Amen. All right, my name is Lolliday. Welcome to the Gap, where we're filling the gap through through freedom and the truth and once again my name is Day. i am one of the leaders here at the gap church and it's an awesome privilege to bring you the word today i am honored to be in front of you and i'm grateful for everyone who is here you could have been anywhere else but the lord has brought you here for a reason you could also be at home on your bed but you're here so celebrate yourself Celebrate yourself. No, celebrate yourself. All right. So we are in a series titled. Okay, I'm, I'm going to start again. I'm going to start again. All right. We are in a series titled Cold Blue. We are in a revival series. We started this three weeks ago. So this is our third part of Cold Blue. Um, and Dara started with it first and second week, and then this is the third week. And like I said, please make sure you don't miss any. If you did, please take out time to go back. Take out time to um, make sure you, just to catch up. But I'll also do you a little favor, and I'm just going to go through a quick recap so that we know where how we got to where we are at today. So there we started with Reviver, and we said Reviver is an improvement in the condition or strength of something. It is the restoration to bodily or mental vigor to life. We also looked at some misconceptions of Reviver, things that we think Reviver is, but Reviver isn't. So Reviver is not a place. Reviver does not happen once. Reviver is not an event. Reviver is not speaking in tongues. It's not amazing word. It's not amazing worship. Reviver is a person, and who is that? Jesus. Reviver is Jesus. And so the, the week after, we looked at the catalyst of Reviver, the catalyst of Reviver, where we talked about true repentance. And there's some things that happen when you truly repent, and which is the act of changing your mind. We talked about truly regretting your sin, changing your conduct, turning around, and returning to God. Are we caught up? Do we think we're caught up? For those who know, we kind of are caught up. So please make sure you go back and listen to these things in sequence just so that everything makes sense. Amen. So today we're going to be picking up from that. Um, We're really talking about what happens during a revival. For a lot of us, I'm sure a lot of us have been hearing this revival for a very long time, not this year. Some of us, not even last year. Revival is coming. Well, revival is not coming. Revival is here. Amen. And, and you know, and we've been hearing about it. And so the Holy Spirit is giving us, you know, a mandate in this church to teach his people what happens during a revival. You know, and God was telling me, you know, while preparing this sermon that what we are praying for a lot as a church is a territorial revival. But what he wants to start with is a personal revival. Said he wants each and every one of us to be to get this revival before we now start as a church praying for the entire nation. And so today I'm going to be picking back from where that where we stopped last week just to continue. What happens during a revival? The first thing we talked about was true repentance, which was last week. And today 
I'm going to be talking about something that I believe is the next step after true repentance. Um, it's the next step. The Bible says that it's going to part all his spirit and all flesh. But what kind of flesh does he really part the spirit? What kind of people does he part his spirit on? What are the sons and daughters? Who are the sons and daughters he's talking about? Um, we, there, we started talking about surgery for those who are in the medical field. You know that when it is after they've, you know, the person has agreed that they need surgery and they are now on the bed and they intubate or whatever, they can make us fall asleep. Um, I've been through surgery before, so that stuff, that stuff knocks you out. Like, just start to see things. Amen. But yeah, so, you know, you, you, you get knocked out and then they start to do the fixing. So it's either they're fixing something or they're removing something and they're adding something. You know, so basically today we are on the surgery bed and the surgeon is here ready to get to work. Nehemiah 1, 1 to 11. When last did you read Nehemiah? It's in the Bible, specifically in the Old Testament. Somewhere around where this Esther is dropping for very close to that place. All right, Nehemiah 1 from verse 1 to 11. Track with me. The words or story of Nehemiah, son of Akali, now in the month of Chisvel, Chislev, that's it. In the 20th year of the Persian king, as I was in the castle of Shushan, verse 2, Anani, one of my king's men, came with certain men from Judah, and I asked them about the surviving Jews who have escaped exile and about Jerusalem. Verse 3. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who escaped exile are in great trouble and reproach, and the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its fortified gates are destroyed by fire. Verse 4. When I heard this, I sat down and wept and mourned for days and fasted and prayed constantly before the God of heaven. Verse 5. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God who keeps covenant, loving kindness and mercy for those who love him and keep his commandments. Verse 6. Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to listen to the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you day and night for the Israelites, your servants confessing the sins of the Israelites, which we have sinned against you. Yes, I and my father's house have sinned. Verse 7. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, statutes, and ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Verse 8. Remember earnestly what you commanded, what you commanded your servant Moses. If you transgress and are unfaithful, I will scatter you abroad amongst the nation. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though you, your outcast were in the farthest part of the heavens, the expanse of outer space, yet will I gather them from there and will bring them to the place in which I have chosen to set my name. Verse 10. Now these are your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your hand. Verse 11, O Lord, let your hear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and prayer of your servants, who delight to revere and fear your name, your nature and attributes, and prosper, I pray you, your servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was a cupbearer of the king. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word that is about to go forth. All our hearts are open to receive. Our hearts are open. You said your word pierced through. So we invite your word to pierce through our heart. 
to break every stony heart and convert it to flesh. To make our heart a soil that, could, that a seed can fall on and can bring forth fruit. And at the end of the day, Lord, we'll be better for this word that we have heard. I pray that I reduce, I even disappear, and that all they see here on this altar is you. Because it's all about you, Jesus. Take all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. My topic today is rebuild the wall. Rebuild the wall. Rebuild the wall. All right. So, any of us have heard the Nehemiah story before? Anybody? Few of us. All right. So, basically, I'm just going to do a rough, you know, the rough explanation on this story. So, this is the people of Jerusalem. Jerusalem's capital of Israel. So, yeah, Jerusalem, just think Israel. So, they've been sinning and doing different things, and they've been falling short of the glory of God. And because of their many stacks of sin, after they had left Egypt, they got recaptured. By the Babylonians, we all know we hear Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, we hear all of that story. Basically, they were in exile when all of these things happened. And so after repentance, if you read, followed what I was reading, Nehemiah was saying that you've redeemed them, you've saved them. They are now out of exile. And now they've been freed, but there's a problem. Nehemiah 1, like 1, 2, 3, started to say that the walls have been broken down. So Jerusalem was now a city with no walls. The enemy had access into their walls, into their nation. So they could not gather. They gather anything small, the enemies come and get it. Yet they were free people, yet they had repented. But their walls have been destroyed by the people that kept them in exile. Their walls have been destroyed because of the sin they had committed, of how far they had gone. And now they are a nation without walls. And then come Nehemiah with a concern in his heart. I am in the king's palace. So I'm enjoying myself, but my people are people without walls. Something has to be done. It is time to rebuild the wall. So how does this have to do with Reviver? How did we get to the point where we need to rebuild the wall? The Holy Spirit was telling me, you know, when I, uh, while I was putting this together, when he, he took me back to Ezekiel 22, 30. For a lot of us, we know the anchor scripture, for those who do not know the anchor scripture, it says, I search for a man who will stand in the gap and build the wall that I may not destroy the people. And the Holy Spirit is telling me that but the people that are to stand in the gap are people, vessels without walls. How do we get to a point where our walls are destroyed? Sin. Last week, Dara talked about true repentance. Before we get to a point of true repentance, we are full of sin. And so we used to be a people that had walls around us. And so every time we would sin, we would break down a little part of our walls. Every time we would sin, we would break down a little part of our walls. And so now we've truly repented and we say we are sorry, but we don't have walls. And so even when God is trying to pour out his spirit upon us, trying to release his power upon us, he wants to, but now we are open to attack. And so I'm going to give you blessing, but because you are in a city with no walls, the enemy is able to come in and get the blessing from you. I want to pour out my spirit and give you power, but because you are without walls, you are still dealing with those little temptations here and there. The enemy is still tugging at you here and there, so you can't even focus on the assignment that I'm giving to you. You know, God was telling me, he said, people don't understand that the reason why I push and I counsel and I send the Holy Spirit and I talk and talk. Do not sin. It's not because of me. It's because of you. Because every time you sin, you open yourself more to different other things aside from that sin. 
So when you open yourself to the scene of fornication, you now open yourself to addiction. Then you open yourself to guilt. Then you open yourself to shame. And so now you've come and you've repented and say, I'm no longer doing this. I've regretted my way. I've turned the way. But now you are now with the remnants of those sin. You're now with the things, that the remnants of the, what the sin brought. So now you're dealing with shame. Now you're dealing with guilt. Now you're dealing with addiction. Yes, you've stopped the sin. Yes, you've repented. But now it's time to get to work. Now it's time to rebuild the wall. We talk about Acts 2, and we talk about how the, the Lord was going to pour out the Spirit upon all flesh. He, the, the time when G, um, the, they were in the upper room, and there was an outpouring, the power of God came upon them. But the Lord took me back to John 20, from verse 22 to 23. And he told me that, that was not the first time that the Holy Spirit had come upon them. The Holy Spirit had come upon them in John 20, 22 to 23, when Jesus had appeared to them. And the Bible says, having said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And verse 3 said that, 23, now having received the Holy Spirit. And so they had received the Holy Spirit before Acts 2. And so I asked, what, what is, what is the, why, why double receive the Holy Spirit? Let me put it that way. So why tell them in Acts 1 to still wait for the promise if you told them to receive the Holy Spirit? But the Holy Spirit started teaching me that the Holy Spirit they received here was the Holy Spirit that took out time to rebuild the walls of the different things that they were personally going through. John 21, so they're talking about Thomas. We all know doubting Thomas. But Thomas was one of the apostles that the Holy Spirit was going to come upon. But he was doubting Thomas. And so he's dealing with doubt. And then the Holy Spirit came and he fixed that in his heart. So that by the time they are gathered in one accord in Acts 2, everybody in their heart is in one accord. Everybody in their belief is in one accord. There's not one person in the corner that is still saying, I'm still dealing with addiction. There's no one person in that other corner that, oh, I still have anger. There's still another person in one corner that's like, oh my God, I'm still dealing with this little remnant from something that happened to me three months ago. And so the Holy Spirit started doing the work in them. And so we have Peter, who had just denied Jesus, who has repented, and now the Holy Spirit started to walk on him. And so that's why in Acts 2, we can have Peter come out and boldly talk. The same Peter, who was ready to cut off the ear of somebody. The same apostles who could not stay up. For one hour, when Jesus said, stay and wait and pray. The same apostles that stayed in the upper room and waited for the promise. Because they took out time to rebuild the wall. Our walls rebuilt. Our walls rebuilt. I'm talking of the story of Nehemiah now. We have Nehemiah who, who, like I said, had great concern. My people have repented. You've redeemed them. You've taken them out of exile. Now they are free. But yet their walls are still down. So Nehemiah 4.17 has a perfect example of what that looks like. For a lot of us, our walls can be different things. I'm sure some of us are thinking, okay, what is my walls? What exactly are the things I have crumbled? Some of us, is our time with God has gone. You've gone so far from God because of your sin. Now you've repented and now you have to go step by step by step back. I was telling the prayer department a couple of weeks ago, I said, the reason why... Uh, the reason I'm very persistent sometimes about just be careful about some sins, and I put some in court, but like it's because every time you do something wrong or you sin, it takes you, you take one step. The enemy does not take you back one step 
because he knows it's easier for you to go one step forward. Instead, it takes you back five steps. And so where you should have been in level five, you sin and you go back to level one. And so now, yes, you have repented, but now you are in level one. And so now for you to get to level five, you forgot that it took you like six months to get to level five. But by the time you come back with level one, now you're coming back to level one with shame. You're coming back to level one with guilt. So now by the time you're trying to get to level five, you spent like five months in level one just trying to deal with shame and guilt. How do you rebuild the wall? Nehemiah 4.17. It says, those who built on the wall and those who carried the burden loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other held the weapon. There are three ways here that Nehemiah explained to us on how to rebuild the wall. Number one is sincere burden. Bible said that they carried a burden. Because Nehemiah could go by himself and build by himself, but he knows he can't go far. The people need to know that they need new walls. And they also need to be involved in the building. And so what Nehemiah did was that he assigned them gates that were closest to their family. And so everyone had to rebuild the one that concerned them. So that's what they said, they, with the carried burden. And so if we are saying as a church now, I need all of us to rebuild the wall. The wall that Abby will build, rebuild is from the wall that Justin will rebuild. But you need to have a true concern for your own wall. Nehemiah 3 started with the sheep gate. For some of us, we need to let go of our will. This is not a sin thing. It's a pride thing. Some of us need to rebuild that, that, to get to a point where you're like, it is not my will anymore, but let your will be done. Letting go of your ego, letting go of your pride, letting go of my desires. You've, because you've been in this thing for so long, you've been doing things your own way for so long. Now they are bringing you new ideas. They say, okay, now this is the new way to go. It's going to take time to build that gate again. For some people, it's the fish gate. You've stopped being witnesses. Said, I'll make you fishers of men. You've stopped being witnesses. When is the last time you actually told somebody about Christ? For some of us, it's the old gate. All of this is in Nehemiah 3. And in the old gate, it's talking about the truth that is the word of God. For some of us, we need to go back to the word and let the word correct us. For some of us, it's the horse gate. And the horse gate is basically a weapon. That's the gate that protected them. That was the actual gate for battle. And some of us, we pulled down our guard so much. Our gate, we literally, the enemy, tonight, in the midnight, everybody's sleeping. Something is strangling you. Tomorrow, somebody is napping. Your neighbors are enjoying their sleep. You are tossing and turning. The dream, they are still pursuing you. Some of us need to rebuild the horse gate. There's so many gates like that. Take a time to study Nehemiah and actually study it. And you realize you will find out the gate that you need to rebuild. Because I tell you that it's important for you to be an agent of revival. You can't tell somebody else to build the gate. You can't build the gate for the nation if your own walls are, are broken down. It can't pour out his spirit and release his power. On a vessel that is not complete. It can't release blessing on a vessel that has access. The enemy still has access to take away that blessing. So it's important that you have a sincere burden and sit and tell yourself, what are the gates that need to be rebuilt in my life? 
Is it that movie that God has told me to stop watching? Those friends that he has told me to stop hanging out with? I'm not committing any sin. I have repented truly, but I've still not left these friends. I'm sure, I know this is not a word of encouragement, a word of, oh, hi, he, he. But this is how we need to be honest. The Bible says the word of God, it is sharper than a two edges. What it, it come, it's going to pierce through. We need to let it pierce through us. The second way to rebuild your gate is a construction tool. Bible said that they had a construction tool on one hand and a weapon of war on the other. And I'm going to put the two of them, the construction tool and the weapon of war, under the same bracket of the word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. And I'm going to use this to round up. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. Thank you. The Bible says every scripture is God's breath, given by his inspiration. He said, and profitable for instruction, for reproof and conviction of sin, for correction of error and discipline in obedience, for training in righteousness, in holy living, in conformity to God's will, thought, purpose, and action. We only go and look into the word for things that encourage us. We don't go and look for things that correct us. We only go and look for, maybe I toss and turn for five minutes and the end, they push me and they walk on by and say, it's a 91, the Lord is my destiny, I shall not. We know this once. It's like a pill. You already know the medication to take each situation. But when the word of God is giving you correction, it's no longer correct. He said it is for correction. Because after conviction of sin, what is the next thing there? It's in front of you. Please go back to cell 16. Correction of errors. You've been convicted of your sin. You're truly repented, but your errors have not been corrected. Bible said that, because I had to picture it. I said if they had a construction tool and a weapon of war, each one would require attention. So I figured it wasn't literally... There was a time when they held the construction tool with their two hands. And there was another time when they had the weapon of war on the other hand. Because as you're rebuilding, the enemy is trying to stop you from rebuilding. So those friends are going to give you a call back again. <laughs> that guy will text you again. Each one pays attention. They paid attention to each two when it was needed. And so when it's time to hold the construction too, and they were given a shovel, and at that time, because the walls have been broken down, now it's ruined, all the things that are important to them, probably their gold, the, the diamonds are under the ruins. And so with the shovel, they keep digging through the ruins, so they get to where they are going. So sometimes the word will become a shovel where you just need to dig through and dig through till you find the, to the point where God wants you to get to. There's sometimes when they have a chisel. There's sometimes when they have a, a other weapons to just sharpen. They have a sword to cut out some things. That's what the word of God does. And then there are times when that becomes a weapon of war. That's the third one. A weapon of war. Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And so by the time you're, you're rebuilding the world, the Bible said that they were rebuilding war in Nehemiah. The enemies were come to stop them because that was where they were getting their food from. That's where they're getting life from. Like, the enemy was like, I'm sure I already got this. Like, I know that in this family I have, like, those two girls. That family I have, like, four. And then all of a sudden, you're now trying to rebuild. It's going to come back. 
And that's the time you start to remember those words that you've studied that has corrected you. And now you're able to say, God, you said in your word, blah, 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 blah. And my heart is covered. My mind is secured. I've renewed my mind. So these thoughts are not able to come into my heart. There was a time I was going through something whereby my mind was being attacked seriously by the enemy. And I'll be having thoughts I should not have. I'll be having, these things just keep piercing through my mind. And I'll just be like, Holy Spirit. And so one day I'd, came, I'd come to pray. And the Lord said, reminding me, Bible says, let his mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That was literally the word of God I used for one week to pray. And all of a sudden, the voice stopped. The word becomes a weapon of war. This is how you rebuild the wall. Some of us have truly repented. I'm not taking that out from you. But your walls are down. You're still, God is still not your priority. You don't love him as you should, but yet you're asking him for power. He's not, he's, you, you're still dealing with ego. You're still dealing with pride. You're not witnessing. Yet you want to be an agent of revival. Let him truly transform your life. Let the word of God work in your life with evidence. I love Acts. I, I literally love studying the, the apostles. Bible says in Acts, I think from verse Acts 12, it started to talk about Barnabas and Saul. These guys were sent to Antioch, and this was the first missionary trip. And the Bible recorded that they had sat with the people, and they had taught them for one year. So much so that people around them, I'm not saying the people within them, people that were not members of the church, would see them and call them Christians. That was the first time the word Christian was ever mentioned in the Bible because their behavior, they started to act Christ-like. Do you act Christ-like? For one year, they had taught them and the teaching made an effect. It, was, it made an effect with evidence. That unbelievers could say, that person is different. The Holy Spirit was telling me, I was preparing this message, that that is what we are dealing with mostly in this church. We live two different lives. We are here, the worship is good, we are so excited. But the moment we step out that door, the excitement steps out, we leave it inside the church. Because it's really exciting. Excitement is for a short period of time. Happiness is based on happenings. Just for a short period of time. But then the moment you step into your car, you now wear the, you like you keep the guy, the person in the back of your seat. So when you step into your car, you wear it back. Let's continue. And then you come to deeper night and you ask for power. Come on. God does not invest in wasted resources. It is time for your life to make a difference. It is time for us to be able to ask for a territorial reviver. It is time for God to start doing personal revivers. It's time for you to sit with God. I have said I am truly sorry. I have repented. I'm not going to do it again. But what are the changes that I need to make? When you say rebuild, it means something was there before, was broken down for some reason, and so now it's time to put it back up. He said in his word in Luke um, 9.26, he said, no one having put their hand on the plow, and they look back. So to me, 
Hands on the plow means I, am, I have said to everybody I'm a Christian. I've asked for mercy. I've forgiven. I've done everything I'm supposed to do. And now I'm walking the walk. But then there's, I have a space behind my shoulder where I could just look back a little bit. The Bible said they are not fit for the kingdom. Renew, let the Lord renew your mind. Because next week we're going to keep pushing on revival and talking about other things that have to do with what happens when there's revival. The praying, the all of these things. If God did not, Jesus did not release the Holy Spirit to fix all of these things with Thomas and with Peter, they would not have even been able to wait that long in the upper room. Because knowing them, they like to sleep. So that waiting would not even have been possible if the change did not happen. So please, this is my message this morning. I know it's not an exciting message. It was exciting to me because it slapped me left, right, and center. But it's exciting because when the Lord comes with words of correction like this, he's trying to do something. And it just needs everyone to be the way they're supposed to be so that they can do what needs to be done. So that we can sit here and for five hours pray for the outpouring and be sure that it's going to come. Because some of us receive the power but we don't receive it in the full capacity of what it can be given. Because there's some things that need to be rebuilt. So this afternoon when you go home, that's my assignment for you. Ask the Holy Spirit, what are the walls do I need to rebuild? What walls do I need to rebuild? If you want to go back to Nehemiah 3, look at all the gates. Go and Google each, the meaning of each gate. And ask the Holy Spirit, which of these gates do I need to rebuild? Is it the pride that I need to, what is it that I need to rebuild? And be ready to get dirty. Be ready to do the work. Be ready to do the work. I want that three months from now, all of us in this room that have heard this word who say that my life is different. People that see me and know me, that know that I've been going to church for five years, know that something is different about the last three months. They know that I am a Christian. I am Christ-like. I'm not just a churchgoer. My behavior is, I'm more patient. I don't just snap. Because really, snapping is really not a sin. It's just a bad character. So I want us to bow our heads real quick. When the series of revival, we've accepted that we are dead. We've accepted that we're on the, the, the bed, the surgical room. And now it's time for the surgeon to do the work. But he also needs your cooperation. If you don't let the anesthesia work and you keep staying awake and opening one eye, he's not going to be able to do the surgery. And so I want us to just begin to ask, ask Holy Spirit, I am ready to do the work with you. I'm ready to do the work with you. Whatever that work looks like, I am ready to do the work with you. It's a, it's a two-man job. It's you and the Holy Spirit. I am ready to do the work with you. I am ready to do the work with you. Think about it. What is those gates? I am ready to do the work. That is the prayer. I am not, I, this time, I am actually saying that I am ready. I'm ready to take the word and let it pierce through me. And let it correct me. And let it convict me. And let it reprove. And let it, you know, let, let it purge me. Let it pierce through. Purge me. 
remove the things that need to be removed, reconstruct the things that need to be reconstructed. So that I'm a worthy vessel for you to pour out your spirit. And even as we are making that prayer, I want us to pray this prayer of salvation together. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Help me to know you better. As I accept you today, take over my heart and dwell in me. Forgive me of my old ways and help me to change into the person you want me to be. I love you, Lord, and I proclaim that you are my God. In Jesus' name. And if all else down, all eyes still closed, if you pray that prayer and you mean it in your heart. Bible says in Romans 10.10, 10, it specifically said, it said with your heart you first believe and then with your mouth you confess. If you're saying it through, truly in your heart, that Holy Spirit, I am ready to do the work now. It's no more back and forth. No more in and out. No more putting my hands on the plow and looking back. It, I want to do this rebuilding with you and you're honest. Please raise your hands wherever you are. I am ready to do this work with you, Holy Spirit. I am ready to do this work. If you're here and you're saying that prayer, I want people to see me and say, I am. I am yours. And I'm publicly claiming that I am yours. Give a few more seconds for anyone who is still trying to make that decision. I tell you, it's the best decision you would ever make. Because when the Holy Spirit goes into your heart and begins to do the work, I promise you the joy and the peace that passes the understanding overshadows you. You stop battling with demons that do not, should not even talk to you. Because now you have the help of the Holy Spirit. And so I just want us to pray for all those who put their hands up and also all those who are online as well. I say, Father, I lift up my hands and I pray for everyone who said yes to, the, to you this this morning you said in your word that heaven rejoiced when one saw so we know that right now heaven is celebrating them even as we are celebrating them father we ask that you write your name in the book of life so god father from today they are known as your daughter and sons father they are known as sheep oh god lord i pray that in the name of jesus this is a one-time decision never to look back again never to step back again oh god they look at you and onward they go in the name of Jesus, they fix their gaze on you, oh God, never to look at anything else. Take all the glory and all the honor. For in Jesus' most precious name, we have prayed. And I want you to join heaven real quick to celebrate everyone who, who said yes to Jesus. Join heaven because the Bible says there is celebration in heaven. Those who will do it later when they watch this, those who will do it anytime, just celebrate them because heaven is rejoicing that they are going to get more worshipers. Amen. Thank you for tuning into the Gap Church podcast. We hope this message blessed you. If you made that choice to give your life to Christ, congratulations. We celebrate you. Don't forget to text SAVE to 817-381-5353. Again, text SAVE to 817-381-5353. Thank you so much and have a blessed week.